As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staple Show. It's a Friday edition, best day of the week. Ari Wasserman is here we have lines, we have over-unders, we've had Maction all week, and, and actually pretty pretty fun Maction all week. I mean, I, I, Toledo Eastern Michigan was awesome, and uh, Kent State with the beautiful Powder Blues pulling out a victory. I mean, how do you beat that? This is, Ari, this is the best time of the year. We got football. I, I, I made a mistake on a tweet. I said we had football every night until the Monday after Thanksgiving. That is not entirely true. We have football every night until the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I can't get the Mac to move one of those games from Tuesday to Wednesday. Yeah, this is uh, my fiance's favorite time of the year when there's a football game on every night, no matter what. Oh, of course she, of course it is. She, I, I know how much she loves <laughs> the Toledo Rockets <laughs> and the, the Western Michigan Broncos and, uh, why wouldn't you get excited about this? Yeah, I know. And there was a lot of uh, a lot of love in this house on on Wednesday evening because somebody hypothetically might have played a uh, Mac under and it didn't go real well. So uh, things are who plays Mac unders? Who does this? <laughs> I don't know, man. What, what a moron! I, I'll I, tell you, <laughs> I, clicked on, I clicked on Kent State and, and Northern Illinois right after halftime on Wednesday night, and Kent State quickly scores a touchdown to make it, I believe it was 38 to 21 at that point. Northern Illinois and Rocky Lombardi, the, the flash Gordonist looking quarterback in college football, then faces a fourth and 10 on the plus 34. So no man's land. Their, their, their kicker didn't have much range. At least they didn't feel like it. So they go for the fourth and 10. They score a touchdown on the fourth and 10. Like there's nine there's, minutes to go. And yeah. they're one touchdown away from hitting the number. Or nine minutes ago, the third quarter. <laughs> the score was seven nothing at the end of the first quarter, and the total was seventy two and a half. So you know you felt pretty good about it. And then Mac, uh, being the Mac, there was a forty five. No, don't it's a Mac game <laughs> on a Wednesday night. Of course you don't feel good about it. I was feeling it. good about it, and then forty or he was the hypothetical person was feeling good about it. And then there was a forty five point second quarter, and then uh, you know the baby was crying all night. So it was a rough evening in the Wasserman household. But we're ready to get back. I on would the, on try. The Two, if I knew you bet a Mac under on a Wednesday night. Yeah, no, I know. It's, uh, 
Everybody on earth bets Mac overs. I felt like there would be value to fade some of those, and I'm Ari, just wrong. Sometimes everybody does something for a reason. Like everybody likes cookies for a reason because cookies are delicious. Yeah, I know. Mac overs are also delicious. Yeah, I I <laughs> I learned my lesson. I'm gonna bet another under next week. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, listen, I can't. I can't help you there. You, you, I, I do understand your desire to fade the public. And listen, I have a pretty shoddy record for those of us who listen to this podcast. We, we know that I am not the most Don't we think that it might be possible, Andy, that Vegas might know and might account for the idea <laughs> that every single person on the face of the earth is betting a Mac over? But it's just like, I guess I don't know how, num- how high can the number be? Could the number be 97? I, I think the weeknight Mac games probably challenge their minds because they are sitting there going, well, there's no way that if we push this high enough, like not everybody's going to take the over and they're definitely not going to hit the over. And then they just keep doing it because I I believe Eastern Michigan, the Eastern Michigan game was 52 to 49. I mean, and that's, that was the first one. That was Tuesday night, first week of November. That is basically setting the tone for the maxion that is to come. And so I, I think we just, we just expect the overs. And this is a lot of, there are a lot of overs. There is an over coming up that we're going to talk about today that I, I, I don't know if it's going to hit. There, there is one of those that I'm not entirely sure it's going to hit. So I'll probably be wrong, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But we got a lot of games to talk about. This, this, this is, slate is not as sexy as it was last weekend, but there is a lot of intrigue here. I think it's kind and of I sexy, some- Andy. I think it's kind of sexy. Uh, okay. And like, well, I, I, I thought think, there were some very interesting lines. I think there's a difference between sexy and the idea of prototypical ABC night game, big noon kickoff, primetime right. games. But there's also the college football gluttons sexy. Yes. And anybody who's listening to this podcast is a college football glutton. Sickos. There's a lot yes. of sickos, uh, sicko games on the schedule. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm looking we, forward we will to get- it. We will get to my my deep affection for for the Mississippi State Arkansas game a little bit later because I am so excited about that one. But I'll, I want to start with one that I I definitely think will hit the over, even though the over is seventy five point five. Wake Forest heading to North Carolina in a game that does not count in the ACC standing. So basically, this is why divisions suck with fourteen team leagues, and you have a permanent crossover opponent. Wake Forest and North Carolina are like 78 miles apart. They're not playing each other, I think, what is it, twice every 10 years in the current setup? So they decided, let's just go play each other. It won't count, but we're going to play each other. So Wake headed to North Carolina. North Carolina, a 4-4 four and four team that lost to Florida State, that uh, nearly lost to Miami, that lost to Virginia Tech. Favored by two and a half points against Wake, who has not lost to anyone. And I think we saw with the college football playoff rankings, the not losing to anyone, not that respected because the committee did not feel that Wake has played anybody yet. So Sam Howell, Sam Hartman, which Sam you got? I can't wait for Wake Forest to lose to North Carolina and be an undefeated ACC champ. (laughs) I'd entirely possible it's Um, great this is my favorite non-conference scheduling move ever probably 
this sport is so stupid <laughs> in the most beautiful way. Like it's just like every year there's some it's just it's just filled with nonsense. Uh but so I do uh, an appearance every week on a podcast on the Athletic Network network called Best on the Board and uh it's where we pick our favorite two plays um and my favorite play in this game or one of my favorite plays was the under of this game. Um the and under? I don't... what are you ta- Did you not watch Wake Forest Army? <laughs> And you're talking to somebody who's playing a Mac. North under Carolina last week. may hit the over by themselves. I just don't. Am I the only one who's waiting for Wake to just completely fall apart? Or like, am I, I am I, I crazy? Think, I don't think Wake's going to fall apart. Wake's good. Dave Clawson's a good coach. I. This is it's one of those things where if I had a search firm. And everybody who has a job opening this year asked me, who's the one guy we should all look at? It's Dave Clawson. Like, yeah, yeah, you don't knows what he's doing. And I, and I didn't mean to be disrespectful to what they were doing. Um, but there's a difference between being way ahead of schedule or being way better than you're supposed to be and then going undefeated. So, like, when well, I say fall I, apart, I don't mean, like, their team is terrible and they're fakes and phonies and what they've done is completely, uh, like, walking uh, on thin ice. But I think at a certain point, Wake Forest is going to lose. And if you look at like their schedule this year, if they go on the road and beat North Carolina, would we say that that's the best um, win that they have on their schedule this year? Maybe, but would, would Clemson be the best win on the schedule? Uh, I, mean, I don't know. You think Clemson's better than North Carolina? I, I, well, I don't I'm know. Saying to, I, I'm saying either mean, way, they haven't played Clemson. Are... To date, this would well, be their most significant win, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it would. And that that's the problem. And – Listen, their defense has not been great. What's going to be interesting is Sam Hartman against Sam Howell. Neither team has a particularly good defense. And I just think they're going to shred each other. And this is... What side do you think is a better advantage, though? I don't feel like... And, like, listen, all, all year I feel like I've been on North Carolina and I've been losing, so, like, I understand... But like, don't we think that North Carolina's offense has a better advantage for Wake on Wake's defense than vice versa? Or is like what? No. Or, or is North Carolina's Wake's, defense just Wake's so? Defense, Wake's defense has one game where it showed up, really showed up, and it shut down Virginia. So, I'll take a defense that shut down Virginia over a defense that has not shut down a prolific offense yet. Yeah, I think that, that's fair. You, do you? So you're all over the over on this because you said when you were teasing it. It might not hit, but like I like seventy. That was not what I was teasing. That's not the over on. Oh, that wasn't okay. So you're all over the uh, over on this. No, this uh, this over this over feels like the Wake Army over, where both teams hit the over. Like <laughs> I seventy five point five. So seventy six. I love when we do math on this podcast. The listeners also love when we do math on this podcast. I know, they give it's us always tips terrible. on. Here's the formula you need to use to figure out what the final score. Don't tell me that. It's funnier when we try to do math live. Yes, but. The fact of the matter is, if each team scores 38 points, it's going over. Each team is going to score 38 points. I don't know who's going to win, but I, I I feel reasonably confident that each team will score 38 points. Yeah. I mean, like, what would you feel more confident in, the over or North Carolina minus two and a half? The over. The over, you're going to say. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait to watch this game because you know what this kind of feels like? 
there was one game last year. It was an Ole Miss game. I can't remember who their opponent was, but mm-hmm. you were convinced that they were going to hit like over eighty-two, and I think the Ole over Miss, landed at like fifty-seven. Ole Miss, Arkansas, yeah. yeah, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and and Arkansas intercepted Matt Corral six times. And I'm glad you mentioned Ole Miss because that was the other one I was I was going to mention. Okay, go Liberty into it. At Ole Miss, Hugh Freeze returns to Oxford. The number is sixty-seven. This one's going under. All of Ole Miss's receivers are are dinged up or or out. And then Liberty has not played particularly well. Uh, they've lost to Syracuse and Louisiana Monroe. Ole Miss's defense is not the greatest in the world, but it is better than, than those. And I think Malik Willis is going to have a problem there. Yeah, I think I can get on board with that. Uh, betting an Ole Miss under is just uh, – I mean, this is a sicko game. Danger. Too. Yeah, Danger, I mean, I, I know it's definitely yeah. a sicko game. It's Hugh Freeze in Oxford, baby. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, yeah, I think I think I would get on board with that. I, I I don't know if this is a trend or not. I have to go back and look, but I feel like Ole Miss unders have been hitting lately. So, um, because they were well, so Alabama egregiously made high, I'm sure it hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they were so egregiously high every week, and I think that Ole Miss's defense is actually a little bit better than people think this year. I think they kind of remember last year and think they can't stop anybody. And you know, for the most part, I think they've done a pretty good job. Um, you know, holding Tennessee to twenty six and LSU to seventeen. And I'm not saying we're talking about the greatest show on turf there with those teams, but they've done a pretty good job in in kind of containing some um, teams that should have. You know, I mean, then again, you got fifty one points against Arkansas and you know, 31 against Auburn. I don't know. But, like, I, I think they're improved, if, if you would agree with that. I would agree with that. And and especially against a team that is not as as good as Auburn and is not as good as Arkansas. So Malik Willis is a, a very good quarterback. You can read Dade Brugler's piece in The Athletic where he, he looks at four plays that excite him and four plays that make him want to tap the brakes. Uh, spoiler alert, there are plays from the Louisiana Monroe game where he threw three picks that, that make Dane want to tap the brakes. Uh, I just think – Against this level of competition, it's going to be a little bit tougher. And I I don't think Ole Miss needs to score that much to win this game. And given how banged up they are, I could see Lane Kiffin just making sure he wins it and, and, and getting out of it. I will say this as maybe an anecdote, but when I went to the opening in Southern California in June or July, maybe, I can't remember, end of June, early July, Malik Willis was there, and I didn't know that it was him. And because, you know, they have the, the counselors that are current players. Right. And I was like, who the heck is that? Because, like, he has the, like, most <laughs> amazing r- body. Ridiculous. His arms are th- yeah. thicker than my thighs. And he just has a look about him of just, like, that guy is, like, the perfect physical specimen to be a football player. And he's a very good, very good athlete. So I'm very curious to see because I've seen mock drafts with him being first the first quarterback off the board even in the NFL draft yeah. last year. So. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I, I don't I think, think it's I'm a question of physical tool. I yeah. don't think it's a question of physical tools with Malik. I, I, I think it's the offense he's played in. Uh, there's a big jump from what he's playing in to what they run in the NFL. I would think, I would hope for his sake that he gets gets drafted by a team that has some time where they don't have to play him right away and they give him a chance to adjust to it a little bit because he does have everything he needs physically. But there's it's no Hugh Freeze, of, Hugh Freeze impact here. On this game, little magic, little Hugh magic coming back, little Hugh Freeze magic. I don't, I don't necessarily think so because doesn't Lane Kiffin magic counteract Hugh Freeze magic? I guess I don't know. I mean, Hugh Freeze magic. This is like this is like figuring out the colors of this is like figuring out what the colors of kryptonite do, Ari. Lane Lane Kiffin magic showed up in Knoxville. 
in the most yes. unbelievably beautiful way because golf balls and, and flasks and mustard were being thrown. That's Lane Kiffin yeah. magic on the road. I think the only time that the coach brings the real magic is when they re- when they have a reputation or an eccentric personality and they return back to a place that they've left and the fans at that place might not like them. <laughs> well, that was a nice way of putting it, right? Hugh Freeze. Yeah. That, that does describe Hugh Freeze going back to Oxford then. So might not like him. Maybe maybe there's some Hugh Freeze magic, but I just I don't I don't think that's going to work in this game. I, I just don't. I, I maybe last year's Liberty team, I, this year's does not seem to be as just cohesive. Like the, there's something that's not quite the same as as last year's team. Last year's Liberty team was was really really good. Uh, this year's is pretty good, but probably more in line with the talent level, plus having a you know elite quarterback. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Where do we want to go next, Art? Do we want to go to the Big Ten? Do we want to go to the SEC? Do we want to go out west? What you got? Um, I like the Big Ten. All right, let's go to the Big Ten. Let's go to the Big Ten because we we got very excited last week. We we saw was was Michigan Michigan State the game of the year so far in college football? Uh, viewership has anything to say about it? I I just mean best game, highest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game yeah. Alabama I, was was a sure. lot of fun, but yeah, yeah. This. This was a this was a fun game, and it sure feels to me like Vegas thinks Michigan State is due for a uh, due for a little slip up following the huge win. They are only a three point favorite at Purdue. Now we saw Purdue beat Iowa earlier this year. I, I don't know that that's necessarily as much about Purdue as it is about Iowa. I mean, we saw Iowa against Wisconsin last week looking just terrible. I, I don't. I don't know that Purdue can do the same thing to Michigan State that it did to Iowa. Let me ask you this. You laying points there? I think Michigan State can cover three points. You take money out of your wallet and play it. Play Michigan State to cover the three at Purdue this weekend? Yeah. You like, here's Michigan State can beat Purdue by I, a field goal or more? I think absolutely they could. Okay. <laughs> will they? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm I, like, obviously conventional wisdom would be that you have the number three team in the country that, uh, you know, just got, well, playoff Vegas ranking. conventional wisdom is clearly saying that this is a letdown game for them. And I, I know, understand but every single person that, on but... earth is going to say what you just said. And everybody okay. on earth who's playing this game is going to play it and the line hasn't moved. So it's just, it's odd. 
And like when you look at the way that Michigan State has played this year, I think like every single game for the most part has been just like a tough, gritty win. And I think a tough, gritty win on the road at Purdue could mean a four-point win and a cover. So don't get me wrong. But also, if you were talking about letdown spots, Purdue isn't a complete doormat. They've got some talent. And like Michigan State has had some close games with teams that they maybe they shouldn't have played close. So, you know, five-point win at, uh, at Indiana, got a three-point win against Nebraska. Like, I don't know. Uh, coming off of, a, of an emotionally taxing game at home that you had to – have they won a game by fewer than three, Ari? Uh, they have not. I don't think Spoiler so, no. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, they also might lose. They so, also might lose, but yeah. I don't think they lose here. I, I think they could lose. Well, they obviously, we all think. Where do you think they lose? Think they're they're going to lose Ohio, Ohio State? State. Penn State, maybe. Oh, I know, but by the time that gets, I mean, if they're still undefeated going into the Penn State game, I would be shocked if they lost to Penn State. No, but I mean, they could lose to Ohio State and Penn State. Yeah, that would that would just shock like, me in the least. This is also like the Purdue specialty spot, where Purdue just sneaks up on people sometimes. It's just like I find it weird that like but they everybody- already did that to Iowa. So do you do you not think Mel Tucker has spent the entire week going Iowa is number two in the country and they they played Purdue and look what Purdue did to them? Like yeah, I mean the line hasn't moved. Nobody's playing Purdue in the spot. Who's playing Purdue? It should. You know, like all week, everybody's playing the number three team in the playoff rankings who's undefeated against the lowly Purdue Boilermakers. I'm just I saying, like, lowly. I, just, I wouldn't, I'm not betting a dime on Michigan State in this game. This is like the patented Big Ten. This is the patented Big Ten slip up spot. It, it, I think it would be if Purdue didn't already have a game like this in the bank. I just don't think that they're going to surprise Michigan State because. Again, the coaching staff is going to pound into their heads. Look at what this team did to Iowa. Do not let this happen to you. But also, like, the factor, too, of just, like, coming off a very physical, emotionally draining game where you lose every ounce of energy. Like, that that I can buy. That I can buy. But they also, Michigan State, we'll find out, but I think they have a pretty special player in Kenneth Walker Jr. mm -hmm. Or Kenneth Walker III. I just, sorry, his dad. I put his dad on the team. Uh but that type of player, and if you watch some of the clips, Nick, like Nick Baumgartner was going through some of the clips from, from that game, and he's showing you there are plays where there's not even a hole, and Walker's making a, a 12-yard gain out of it. So I just I, I think that sort of thing travels. I don't think that, that Purdue's going to be able to beat them in this game. Sounds like, I don't know if I feel strongly enough about it you don't you don't feel strongly enough to bet on. i I just i wouldn't bet michigan state with my money let's just put it that way okay well let's let's go to the other side of that game from last week michigan back home playing indiana a 20 and a half point favorite now indiana has had a horrific season relative to their expectations they've lost four in a row they're on quarterback number three at this point. And the question is, is there a point where the Indiana team that we thought was going to play this season shows up? And I don't, I'm not even talking about beating Michigan. I'm just talking about playing within three touchdowns of Michigan. Is that possible? Well, the thing I'm very excited to see is 
how Michigan responds to what happened. Because last year when Michigan, and it wasn't just a close game against a top 10 opponent that caused it, but Michigan went off the rails a year ago. And 20 points is kind of a lot against a pretty good Indiana team that if playing well can, you know, maybe surprise somebody. So I I don't know that I would like laying the points in the spot. Um, If Michigan covers that spread, I think that should be a good sign uh, for a team that still has a lot to play for, but I don't, I just don't know where they would be at mentally. And, you know, being within uh, 10 points against Indiana in the third quarter seems like a pretty obvious or likely scenario because that's kind of how things work in this in this conference. And, and and Donovan McCulley is making his second start. He's a freshman quarterback for Indiana. He made his first start last week against Maryland. Three-point loss. Had a pretty pretty good game in that game. So I, I, I'm curious to see if, if he makes that offense better than it has been. And obviously this was not the plan for Tom Allen in Indiana this year. I don't think McCulley was supposed to, to wind up starting now. I think that he was their quarterback of the future, but the, the future is now. He was uh, so 14 of 25, not a great completion percentage, but it'll do uh, for 242 yards and two TDs against Maryland. Now, that's not the best defense in the world. That's not like Aiden Hutchins is not coming at you on that defense. But I, I, I have a feeling Indiana's going to have a pulse in this game. I just I don't know where Michigan's going to be at. And and Ari, I want to sh- I, I got a question in my mailbag that I think is interesting. And I, I think I know what your answer to this is because you've said it multiple times. But somebody, it was a Michigan fan who said, should I just accept the fact that that I now root for a team that doesn't care if they win championships, that that is fine with being just okay? And my answer to that was. Only Michigan's administration can answer that question for you. What they do will over the next, you know, I don't think they're going to do anything this year, but what they do over the next few years will answer that question for you. But what I will say is what they've done, Ward Manuel, the AD, and and I'm going to give credit to Jim Harbaugh for this too. That contract they did gives Michigan more flexibility than any school of its kind in the country. Because right now, here's their choice. They are, they've got a, a coach that cost them $4 million a year, and I looked up what his incentives are. He's probably going to hit two incentives this year. He's probably going to hit the, the APR, the academic progress rates, which is grand, and the New Year's Six Bowl, which is two hundred grand. So for $4.25 million, they're going to have a coach that leads them to nine or ten wins in a New Year's Six Bowl. That's kind of a bargain right now. But his buyout is $4 million this year, which – if they fired him after last year, it would have been $8 million just to get rid of him, and then you got to pay somebody else to come in and buy them out of their old job and all that stuff. So you're basically getting this year for free where you're going nine or ten wins, and you're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. And let's say that the perfect candidate did express interest, or you got a smoke signal from, I don't know, Matt Campbell or Mark Stoops, or somebody who you think could lead Michigan to a little bit higher level. I don't, I don't know if those are the guys that they would think, but those are the people that I would suggest if that's what they were looking for. You can make a change relatively cheaply if you want to. Or if that doesn't happen, if the, the perfect candidate isn't out there, you just let the guy go. Keep rolling with Harbaugh. He's still a bargain at $4 million next year plus incentives. And your your buyout next year is three million. 
and it goes down a million each year. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. The thing I want to ask you is what if you were a fan of Michigan who was concerned, like the person who asked you that question was about the university's commitment to winning championships or whether or not they're indifferent to it is what can a fan do to to rock the boat a little bit so that it doesn't happen that way? Cause like, I understand everything that you're saying from a financial standpoint, and that's certainly a good position for Michigan to be in, but there is, if I were a Michigan fan, I would be mildly concerned that this is enough for the administration. Stop, and if you didn't want to stop caring, stop caring is what you can do, which is something that probably games, is never going to happen. Watch right. games. Well, exactly. And that's because that's what I, I, I've talked about. You know, I've talked about this a lot with Tennessee over the years. Everybody says, oh, that Tennessee fans are so crazy. And uh, how do you how do you kind of calm them down? Like you don't like you thank God every day. If you were Tennessee's administration, that your fans love you that much and are that crazy because that's what keeps the lights on. Like the second they stop caring, then you have much bigger problems like and that, we, you and I talk about the job Mark Stoops has done all the time at Kentucky. But I don't think people remember what it was like at the end of the Joker Phillips era. Nobody was showing. This is a program where through thick and thin, people had shown up to football games no matter what, and they had stopped. Like, you have to keep, keep caring. You have to make sure they care. And when they stop caring, that's when you know you have to make a change. Like, that's where, where Florida State was. With Willie Taggart, that's where they, you know, might have been with Mike Norvell, although they seem to have a pulse now. So, I just think that that for Michigan, as long as a hundred, ten thousand people show up, which I know it's not, there are no shows, but they're not in the, they're not at the point where they're giving away tickets with with twenty ounce Coke bottles anymore, which is what they were doing during the Brady Hoke era. So, I would say they're probably in a position where they don't feel like there's a need to make a change and. Like I said, with that contract, because his is a different contract. If, if he's making $8 million a year, I'm not saying the same thing. Then I'm yeah. saying you're not getting your money's worth. But they are absolutely getting their money's worth now. Yeah, I mean, that's just like the last thing a fan would care about. Like If you're a fan I, of Michigan, they, they don't want to hear that stuff. So especially at a program that has more money than God. So like I, I understand that that makes sense from like a maneuvering standpoint when it comes to how you want to go to your next coach. I understand that it might give you more opportunity to pounce on the perfect candidate when, and if that, that situation presents itself, but nobody wants to hear that they're 10 wins settling for not winning a national championship or settling for not beating their rival is good for financial uh, balance sheets of their, of their administration. Well, but, but there's also an element of, who are you going to get that's better right now? Like, is the right candidate out there? And and I'll, I'll hear fans say this a lot. Well, that's not my job to figure it out. Yeah, but it is somebody's job. And if that somebody has, has examined the marketplace and figured out that there's not a perfect person out there, then that somebody being fiscally responsible is probably the best outcome. Um, I wrote in a, in a story, I think it was a mailbag a year and a half ago that I would take Mel Tucker at Michigan over Jim Harbaugh. I, I remember you reading that. I remember you writing that. And I think I people were think laughing at me. They were ridiculing yep. me. They were yelling at me. They were telling me I'm an Ohio state Homer <laughs> that I'm an asshole. Like anything that you could. Th- now, now they're praying that Mel Tucker goes to LSU. So they don't have to play him anymore. But like I'm saying, no, I'm not saying that to do a victory lap. But what I'm saying is, is that Mel Tucker was an interesting candidate 
at a time in which we would have said there are no other good replacements for Harbaugh, there's always somebody out there worth taking a risk on. And I get it. It's expensive. And if you're wrong, you can set your program back and 10 wins or nine wins is a comfortable place to be. But when do you just move to try to achieve the next level? There's always a candidate. There might not be a Jim Harbaugh out there. That seems like a slam dunk, but Andy, as we've discussed on the show many times, there's no such thing as a slam dunk in college football no, anymore. There, there so, are no slam so dunk like, hires and yeah. You know, go get like I don't know, somebody who coached at Ohio State with a deep fami- and Nick Saban with a deep familiarity with the Midwest and how to develop prospects and inter- and is a good recruiter. It's like how does that not like Michigan should have seen that coming from a million miles away. And it's the same thing that but, Michigan State saw. Did they really, like, I mean, did they see it coming from Colorado? I don't I don't know that they did. No, no but I'm saying like Search, how much do you have to pay a search form firm? It's millions of dollars, right? No, it's like a it's lot like of money 200 grand tops, 250 grand, maybe to, to point out a, a candidate. Not to point, no, that's not what search firms do in college at, at, for major college football jobs. They're, not, they're there to point out the candidate, they're there to do the background check and to make the, make the connections so that you aren't lying when you say you haven't talked to anybody. That's all it is. They're, they're the ones that back channel so that when the interview actually happens, the search firm and their agent have already gone over what the contract terms are probably going to be. And you just have to figure out, is this the person you want or not? Like that's what search firms do for major college football jobs. They don't, they're not like you should go hire that guy. No, but what I'm saying though, is that you have assistance and you have, um, financial backing both from your administration and search firms that are vetting these these guys to make a make a outside the box hire that people okay so so what you're saying is michigan should have dumped jim harbaugh last year to to try to hire mel no 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 i'm not saying already just left a job after a year that's not what i'm saying so what i'm saying is, saying is, is we were talking about how there were no other good candidates out there last year when Mel Tucker hadn't been hired by Michigan state yet, when there clearly were, he had so, been hired by Michigan state. When, when we were talking about that, Jim Harbaugh has been on the hot seat since I was in middle school. Like this has been a discussion <laughs> that we've had every single year about, well, who's going to be better. And my point is, is that Mel Tucker existed before. And I'm not saying that Mel Tucker has to be the right coach for Michigan. That's so you're not my saying point. they should have hired my, him. My out point of, is, is it's not a get Georgia. Yeah. I, my I point you. is not you. that that Mel Tucker is the only person that Michigan could have hired. My point is that stop saying there's nobody better out there because there probably is. Well, I think there are, but I also think they might not leave their current job. That's the problem. Now, Matt Campbell's in a different situation right now than he was a year ago because Texas and Oklahoma were in the Big 12 a year ago. Now they're leaving the Big 12. So does that change the the situation for every coach in the Big 12? I think it does. I don't know if that changes change it for him because he's proven that it would have to be a perfect situation for him to leave because he's got a really good thing going. But the problem is, is whoever the takes the Michigan job has to understand and um, accept and even welcome the challenge that they have to beat Ohio state. And like, yes. I don't know if that's an attractive thing for any new head coach, because that's going to be the litmus test. And having to overcome a team that's already as established as Ohio State isn't a 
uh, something I would want on a bullet point of my job description right away. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. What, what is this 14 and a half point line at Nebraska? Is this an indictment of Ohio State's defense or is this a thought that Nebraska is going to play out of its mind because this is the last real chance for Scott Frost? This is a weird line. I'll it, say it's a, weird, it, it's a weird line. Um, I really, so the, here's the, I picked that Ohio State would win 42 to 20 because it's the only, it's the only score that I could come up with that would make sense and was also a cover because I can't imagine Ohio State's offense not scoring into the 40s, right? But right. I also don't anticipate that Nebraska is going to be putting up 38 or 40 points on Ohio State's defense. So, like, maybe it's not a cover and the score is 38 to 21. That's also a cover okay. 38 to 20, 38, 27. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. What are, what are we, what is Vegas criticizing here for, for Ohio state? Are they saying they're not going to score? Or are they saying they're not going to stop Nebraska? Cause I, I can see Nebraska's defense playing well, but even Nebraska's defense playing well, like we've seen this with defenses that play well against, Ohio State, like eventually the dam breaks. I think that this is an indictment of Ohio State's defense. That okay, that's what that's why I asked you that because yeah. I, I think that what they're saying is Nebraska can score on them, and I don't I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah, here's the thing about Ohio State's offense: they're going to score, um, and the over under for Ohio State's team total right now it looks like th- is like thirty two points. And it's like to me, that's that's at, at sixty six. That's actually not. I just I did math like poorly again. That's what's what we do. what's sixty six minus fourteen and a half. Uh, forty two. <laughs> you got to put the half in there. Forty one and a half. Uh, no, forty one uh, and a yeah. half. Yeah, Ohio State's team total is forty one and a half. Wait, wait, so like wait, 40, it's 14 and a half? No, it's fifty one and a half. All right, fifty one and a half. Fifty one and a half. So. They're saying that Ohio State's going to give up forty, basically, to to Nebraska. They're they're not saying that. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Four, it's a fourteen and no, a half point spread, thirty-seven no, points. Oh no, man, your math—it's so bad. So, like, here's the thing: I'm trying to look at my book, and the team totals aren't up. So I'm trying to do this manually. Okay, so the sixty, the, the to- over under of this 60, game is it, at BetMGM. The over under is sixty-four and a half. Okay, okay? sixty-four and it's a half. 14, it's a 14 and a half point spread. Okay, so they think the final score will be 50 to 36. Forgiving forgive the half points. Just to just say for, uh, yes. For, yes. For the sake of That sounds about ease. right. Yes. Yes. So the question is is basically I think Ohio State will score into the upper 40s and 50s. I think that anybody who's watched Ohio State's offense play knows Wait, 50 they, to 36? 50 to 36 is 86 points. What is happening right now? What the score you're thinking of is 40 to 26. 
40 to 40 25. To 25. Yeah. 40 to 25. Yeah. I, I love to do math on this show. It's the best part of the show. Well, I just wish that the, uh, that the book, uh, would have the team totals up when I'm looking at it. Cause that's I, just, when we get I, I love it. There, there's so many people who are so much better at math than us. And so smart. Cause we have some very, very smart listeners and they are screaming at their yeah. phones or at their car radio. It was almost right like now, a, going, like a, how do you idiots not get this? How do you function as adults? Not being able to do basic arithmetic, but after that's last like, week, that's when people, we got a few notes last week about how it's painful to listen to us do math. That almost felt like a Woody Allen bit. Um, I I don't know. Listen, we didn't make this up. We weren't trying. This this was Ari organically doing some math and me organically being like, yeah, 50 to 36 sounds about right. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. 40 to 26, which by the way does go over. It hits hits the over, but yeah. 40 to 26, I think, is a reasonable score. Okay. I just think that if, if Ohio State's team total is 40, I would bet money that that goes over because I just yeah. don't know if I would think that uh, North or Nebraska is going to hold them to less than 40 points. Let us go out West Ari, because we haven't had a chance to talk about it. we, we we've both chimed in on the Dan Mullen thing at Florida and what he said about recruiting. And, and it, we all know he wasn't saying that they don't recruit you around. He was just, very clearly showing he doesn't like talking about it because it's a sore subject with him. But what what Jimmy Lake said about recruiting, well, that's way worse. He was asked about recruiting against Oregon, and the response was about as bad as you can get, not just on a not understanding your own job level, but not giving like I, I like trash talk. Like I, I thought it was funny when Steve Spurrier told the joke about, you know, they had a fire at the library at Auburn and this, the real shame of his hat. The books hadn't even been colored in yet. That sort of thing. That's fine. I get that. But in the context of this answer, I don't know. I don't think he was trying to be funny here. I just think this, this all went per quacky on him very quickly. He said, I think, I think that is way more pumped up, and in the parentheses, it was added by, by the person transcribing it, by the media and the public, than it is. Our battles are really, the schools that we go against are way more, have academic prowess, like the University of Washington, Notre Dame, Stanford, USC. We go with a lot of battles toe-to-toe all the way to the end with these schools. So I think that's made up a lot and pumped up in your, and then in parentheses again, recruiting service and media world. In our world, we battle more academically prowess teams. Let us enumerate the ways that this statement is completely idiotic. First of all, there's no such thing as more academically prowess teams. That's not how the word prowess works. And if you're going to tout your university's academic prowess, maybe use the word correctly. Uh, But yes, you should be recruiting this organ because Oregon seems to be recruiting the best players of any program in the Pac-12. So, ideally, you'd be, you'd be able to beat them for some players every once in a while. Let's just play this game. Which statement or which way to react to the question was dumber? Jimmy Lake or Dan Mullen? Who handled it Jimmy worse? Lake. <laughs> Jimmy, uh, Jimmy I, Lake. No question. <laughs> you think so? I think that you also have yes. to keep, keep in mind that people at Florida are more locked in on this sort of thing. Like I well, think you no, could get no 
for Dan, I mean, that's a case of Dan not understanding that his job is to win the national championship. That's, that's what that is. Like, you have to get top five classes every once in a while to win the national championship. He's not. And by every that. once in a while, you mean like every year? Not every year, but every once in a while. Most of the time. Half the time. Sure. Yes, you got to do that. Jimmy Lake, not only, but, but no, Dan, nothing Dan Mullen said would give South Carolina any incentive to do anything to them this weekend. Also, Nothing he said was factually anything. inaccurate. Let's put it that way. But that's a problem. No, no, I'm saying like Dan sh- Mullen. Right, exactly, exactly. I think what Jimmy exactly. Lake said was factionally inaccurate. It's like, I don't think that, it's like, okay, good luck, Jimmy Lake. Uh, go on and, and win your recruiting battles with, uh, you know, Vanderbilt, Harvard, and Northwestern, if those are who you're competing against. <laughs> but if you want to yeah. win a Pac-12 championship, why don't we just discuss what's actually at hand here? And it's like, you got your butt kicked in the 2021 class. You're not doing much better in the 2022 class. You had three five-star prospects who lived in the Seattle area uh, in the 2021 cycle, two of which went to Ohio State, not Vanderbilt, not Harvard, uh, not Yale. Yeah. Ohio State is, took is them it, from you. You're is, losing. is Ohio State is Ohio State more academically prowess? It's a than, pretty solid state school, just like every other state school. school. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It's got good academic prowess. Is that right? I believe it's more academically prowess. More, it's got more academically prowess than than other schools, I guess. But you know, it's a state school. It's not Michigan, right? So I mean Wait, are you saying that Michigan being an upper tier state school, like yes, Michigan, yeah, yeah, Virginia, I'm saying that's what, okay. Yes, yes, yeah, that wasn't sarcasm. Listen, the Michigan I'm not people a hate homer. you enough, Ari. <laughs> <laughs> they hate you enough. Let's I know, no, Michigan's got a great school. I wasn't saying it. I, I meant it sincerely. Uh, they're better than Arizona, which is where I went. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like the the idea of what Jimmy Lake said, Andy, was like an insult to reporters because to me it feels like he thinks that we're not going to check up on this or that we're not following it or that we don't understand what's going on. It's like Washington right. is consistently losing battles for elite-level players on the West Coast to Oregon, to Ohio State, yeah, two teams that are coming. It's, it's not like, like he's they're only going against these three-star prospects that Northwestern wants. It's bullcrap. You know what it reminded even- me of? It? it reminded me of when Jim Delaney – came out with that statement after Florida beat Ohio State in the national title game and said, the players in the SEC are so much faster because they're stupid. And I, I mean, not in so many words, but that's what he said. And like, wh- what are you saying? That, that you couldn't get Kayvon Thibodeau into school and you wouldn't have taken Kayvon Thibodeau? You would have taken Kayvon Thibodeau in a heartbeat. My biggest thing that I hate, Andy, is the academic bull. It's just like, don't throw academics out there in a football conversation because we're not talking about schools, okay? If your team loses, but it's a better academic institution, that's fine. You lost at football. We're talking about football. And if you're losing in recruiting because your team hasn't been successful enough, especially considering the fact that you had three top 10 players nationally in your city last year, don't give me this crap about academic prowess. That's not what happened. It's not what's happening. Your team is losing pivotal battles against a rival in your conference. You both have very similar recruiting territories. Oregon is signing top 10 classes. You're somewhere in the 20s or 30s. It's not about academics. And if and you also, say it, do you think people think that you're, people don't know? Like recruiting maybe 10 years ago was a was not a mainstream thing. Recruiting information is written about, it's litigated, it's discussed, and it's be, it's 
not only behind paywalls anymore. So people are more educated about how you're getting your talent now than they were 10 years ago. You can't say stuff that's not true and think that people are going to buy it. Well, and here's the other part of this. He just handed Mark, like Oregon, what, what is Oregon's reputation as a team in the last few years, Ari? What do you mean? Like, just like they tend to, they tend to sleepwalk in games that they should win. Oh yeah, for sure. Yes. I thought you meant like as a program, but yes. And that- I realize that, that Oregon Washington is a rivalry, but if you look at the, the, the results over the last 15 years, it's actually, I mean, it's not a rivalry. Oregon See, that's the rival. That's the, that's the, um, reputation to the extent that we're all expecting them to lose to somebody and we don't know who it is. Right. Maybe not you. Right. A, a lot of people right. are expecting them to lose again, but yes, go ahead. Right. So I would have rolled the dice on maybe them coming in and sleepwalking against me, but now he's allowed Mario Cristobal to stand up before his team, before the game and go, Hey, their coach called you a bunch of dumbasses this week. Why don't you go hang 59 million points on them? Let me ask you this too, because like, I'm not like, what's the, uh, what's the, uh, it's the Princeton review. What's the, the thing that ranks colleges for academic US prowess? news and world report U S news and world report is Washington, like a place that's in the top 30. Like, I didn't it know that. A, about it is them. considered a very good public school. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. And better and, than UCLA, better than USC, better than Stanford. Not, not better, better than, than Stanford, Stanford, not better than Cal, but on par with with the others. So it okay. is, is considered a very good school. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad school, but like, it's not like it's Stanford or Vanderbilt. Here's the thing I'm going to say, Andy, there are two things that a coach will do when they're getting their butts kicked in recruiting on national signing day. They'll discuss how well they develop players. As mm-hmm. we discussed last week on Saturday night show, that's one thing that Jimmy Lake did. He discussed how NFL GMs or NFL staffers texted him and said, we love how you develop players and that the recruiting rankings don't matter. Recruiting rankings only don't matter when your team stinks at recruiting. Okay. Two, they'll talk about academics and how hard it is to get into your school and all these things. And let's be honest. That's also not it. That's strike two strike three. You're out. So like, I, I don't want to hear that stuff. And if you think that's a problem, then you're in the wrong business because there's other teams. Stanford has ha, has been very successful in the past. Northwestern has played in Big Ten championship games over the course of the past few years. Cal was recruiting at a pretty high clip before their quarterback got flipped by UCLA, another great school. Like, this isn't an excuse. I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, what is the point he's making? This is why we're not recruiting better? Like, what, what was this? I don't even know what the actual, like, takeaway was supposed to be. See, you're not thinking Dan Mullen did so bad anymore, are you? It's actually question. the thing that Dan <laughs> Dan Mullins was dismissive and made it seem like he didn't understand his role. Jimmy Lakes was a blatant lie that he thought nobody would even understand. So, like, I think Jimmy Lakes was more offensive. So, Oregon is a seven-point favorite at academic prowess this week. And I would have been like, this line makes perfect sense had he not said this. But now he's gone and poked the duck. How much? How much uh, can you backpedal uh, on his radio show this week? According to uh, our Washington writer Christian Capel, Jimmy Lake says he has the utmost respect for Oregon as an academic no, and <laughs> for Oregon as an academic and athletic institution, and that the, his comments were intended to be about his own programs recruiting and not a dig at the University of Oregon. 
<laughs> There's oh, no other stepped- way to interpret it than Oregon is stupid. You, you stepped in in a in a puddle from puddles right there. Puddles the duck is not pleased. How this else is not going to go well? How else you. can somebody interpret what he said other than you're stupid? Yeah, I, I just if I'm Mario Cristobal, I am just whipping them into a frenzy before they go out there because. You, you would have gotten Sleepy Oregon. You might have had a chance in that game. Now you're not going to get Sleepy Oregon. Also, has Stanford has like Stanford ever made a comment like that or Vanderbilt? Like, has Shaw ever said anything about academics? In, in, I'm in trying a- to think if James Franklin said something when he was at Vanderbilt, but he didn't really. Um, you know, Brian Kelly said some things over the years, but not – not really his excuses, though, or, or not, and certainly not to denigrate another team. He, he, he's used them as, hey, it's not the easiest thing in the world. We're fishing from a little bit smaller pond, that sort of thing, but not, yeah. not really anything yeah, like that. Yeah, because like, like also dismissing the Oregon thing is also saying that you guys aren't going after the same players. And like as Oregon is signing top five classes and it is in the top four of the playoff, it's a bold strategy to act like that's not true. <laughs> let's see if it pays off, Cotton. Yeah. All right. Let, let's 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 move on to to the Big Twelve, to the team that you've give, given up on. Vegas has given up on them too. We we noted this last week before Texas played Baylor. Vegas is out on Texas. Texas is a six and a half point underdog in Ames. How good of a coach is Matt Campbell, Ari Wasserman? Texas is a six and a half point underdog in Ames. This um, is the exact way that Vegas has given up on them because every other year the spread's three, right? Or four. And you don't yes. know which way to go. Six and a half is a, is a departure from that. I'm never betting on Texas again. So, like, it's either I'm not betting it or I'm not betting or I'm betting the other side. I said uh, the same thing about Pitt. Uh, yeah, next year. Wait, wait till uh, next uh, August when we're on these podcasts and Texas has a top 10 class coming in. I'm, I'm going to be, no, no, uh, I, I give up until I see it. But did you see the way that, um, Iowa state lost last Saturday? I did. It was, it was not good. It that was, was I mean, brutal. A bad call, bad, you know, it, it's, it stinks. And so they're going to be mad. They're going to want to take that out on somebody. That's that's where the Longhorns are. Uh, yeah, they're running into. Yeah, I don't know that I would play this because you know I think conventional wisdom would be that you know at least Texas might show up for this game, but I'm never playing Texas again. So, I mean Iowa State, that was like a really tough thing to swallow. I felt bad for them. Yeah, because they were in a situation they, where they could have maybe uh, I don't know where they were in the big. They had two losses already in the big 12. So it might've been tough, but like, that was just like the, the, the door slammed on their season in a yeah. situation where Purdy probably scored there. Not Purdy. Uh, where Hall. Where, right. Where, where your hand is uh, actually in the doorway as it slams. Did you think that was a touchdown? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I didn't think it went well. I, you know, I know these things happen. I know you get bad calls and, and you're supposed to be able to, but that just, that one was pretty brutal. So, yeah, we mentioned the Dan Mullen thing when we were talking about Jimmy Lake. Florida's going to South Carolina. Florida's an 18-and-a-half-point favorite. There's been a lot of noise about Dan Mullen this week. 
am I crazy, Ari, or do I am I or am I on track here? I don't think the Florida players care one bit about all this stuff we've been talking about with Dan Mullen this week. None of that will matter, and they're just better than South Carolina, and they yeah. cover the eighteen and a half points. Spread. Yeah, you know that's the thing too. It's just like they might come out and cover uh, the spread, and I think that that would be the case because Florida, for all the the discussion about recruiting that we've had this week in that program, they're still the seventh most talented team in college football this year. So it's not like we're talking about a team that's in the twenties. You know, they're still a very well built program, and you know are certainly much better off than South Carolina. Now that's a lot of points, but I do think that, you know, Florida's probably in a position to cover that spread. Now I will also say this though, Andy, just because they cover the spread or if they win a few games, like it doesn't change the temperament that, that or the change, the temperament that I would have toward them or the way that Florida should be viewed until Dan Mullen kind of gets it together. I think that he has some proving to do uh, not only in, in results of recruiting battles, but, how he discusses it moving forward. And I'm assuming that we'll see a, a reform in his behavior as it comes to that. But well, he, you know, he talked to Andrew Thompson, the Orlando Sentinel and, and was, you know, quite a bit more receptive to, to questions and, you know, was, was trying to at least make clear, Hey, they are recruiting year round. They are trying to get good players. They are not just, you know, playing golf and then, and then two months a year they recruit. That's not, that's not what they do. Uh, and I think, most people who were paying attention knew that, but it did have to be said after the way he presented it, you know, to everyone in a press conference. So I think the thing that people have to understand is, and I've seen people like, like getting angry, how many reporters are going to take this quote out of context? And I want to make it clear. And I want you to, to I think we've presented in the proper context all along. It's not that we think that he wasn't recruiting. Nobody's saying that we know he's recruiting. It's the indifference and the dismissal of an important topic that is going to determine whether or not you're ever going to be good. Oh, see, see, you and I look at this differently. I don't think it's the indifference or the dismissal of the topic. I think it was clear by the way he answered that because that that was a, a that was a softball question lobbed by a fan site reporter. That bothers him. It's it's like tell me what gets under your skin. Tell me what gets on your nerves. Tell me how to push your buttons. That's his button. And if I'm Kirby Smart, if I'm Nick Saban, if I'm whoever gets the LSU job, if I'm Brian Harson, if I'm Mike Norvell, if I'm Manny Diaz, I'm I'm finding a way to push that button as often as I can. The button is what? That asking about recruiting? The button is recruiting in general. It is, it is the thought that he's not recruiting well enough. Yeah. Well, I think those are two of the same side, different sides of the same coin. Uh, indifference or dismissal of a question as a result of frustration of the topic because you're losing at it is a, it's, it's all the same. It's all deadly. Um, and I think that at a certain point, you need to not only be more open about it, but you also have to have the results that have shown that because, like, this. To me, I feel like we're on the down, like the roller coasters headed down on his career there. Well, yeah, so, they, they'd lost, they've lost yeah. their their two most high, their two highest rated recruits in the class of 2022 in the last couple of weeks. Now, look, they got some guys that are still considering them that would jack their rankings back up pretty quick. But my guess is, if he knew he had those guys in in pocket, his response would have been completely different to that question. Yeah, and I think that's part of the frustration. Is it may be that he can't change the results enough 
for 2022 to have a, a, a satisfactory answer to that question. Yeah. Also, that, Walter Nolan got a crystal issue. ball to Texas A&M on 247 from Steve Wolfong yesterday, which I thought was interesting. But Walter Nolan. Well, yeah, Walter top. Nolan is the, is the top recruit considering Florida. He's a defensive tackle from, from Tennessee. Uh, Evan Stewart, the receiver from Texas, is, is another one. And uh, I believe they crystal balled him to Texas. So that's those two. You get either one of those the class looks different. There are other guys that they're going after that are still up in the air too. And we'll find out, you know, how they did. They're also remember, they're probably going to change defensive coordinators after the season. There's a chance they bring somebody in who flips somebody there towards signing day. So, well, one of the decommitments that that happened at Florida is probably going to end up at Georgia now. Yes, correct. If you look at the 2022 class, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. In the 2022 class, Georgia already has eight top 100 players. And they're probably going to end up with somewhere between 13 and 15 when it's all said and done, which is absolutely insane. And I'm, I know what George is doing is unprecedented or only precedented by Alabama and maybe Ohio State, but mostly Alabama. Florida, uh, uh, when it comes to top 100 players right now, has won. So, like, they are getting smoked by the teams that they're supposed that Dan Mullen was hired to beat. They're supposed to be your peers. Exactly. Yes. And then, and, and that's the problem. That, that is the bigger long term issue. That is why things have gotten pretty weird in Gainesville. And, and if you listen to this podcast, I said, if they lose to LSU, things are going to get weird. And they, they did. They just, they just did because LSU is sort of representative of where they're, of what they're not, which is LSU, even though they were coached to the point that the administration fired the coach, they've been stocked very well. The recruiting never stopped there. Yeah. It's crazy. Yep. All right, let's stay in the SEC because there's there's a lot of interesting games in the SEC. Uh, We talked about Hugh Freeze's return to Oxford already. Uh, The headliner game in the SEC is Auburn at Texas A&M. A&M is a four-point favorite in this game. Auburn is hot, and Auburn is in control as much as you can be with the schedule that they have upcoming. But if Auburn wins the rest of its games in the regular season – Auburn, Auburn would be your SEC West champ. Auburn would be playing Georgia in the SEC championship game. Ari, they, they've got quite a gauntlet to get through to get there. But do you think they can? Um, I'm on Texas A&M this weekend, I think. Um, at LSU, I know LSU isn't what they were supposed to be this year, but at LSU, home against Georgia, at Arkansas, home against Ole Miss, bye week, and then at Texas A&M is one hell of a ride. And I know that they lost to Georgia because it doesn't get much easier as you keep going. either. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I guess they do have uh, Texas A&M, Mississippi state, then a bye week against South Carolina and then Alabama. But like, it is really, really tough. And I just like, I don't know. Auburn is kind of like a, which one of the Auburn's is going to show up today type of team. And it's just like, they've showed up two times in a row, and I'm not necessarily sure I think they could show up three times in a row, especially so, against a team like Texas A&M that seems to be figuring it out offensively and the games on the road. So Bonix has been better, quite a bit better. He seems to be more in control. We're, we're not seeing as much back foot Bonix as we used to. When, when he does use that athleticism, it's, a, it's a, in a more in control form, and that – Seems to be working for them. Their receivers have gotten better. I think that was one of their bigger problems earlier in the season. Uh, Tank Bigsby and, and Jarquez Hunter are a fantastic duo of backs. But 
by the same token, Texas A&M's offensive line, they seem to, to get that figured out. They get the combo right. Guys got healthy. Uh, I don't know that Zach Calzada had any sort of magic dust sprinkled over him after the Alabama game. Like, you look at him against Alabama, and he was lights out. He was awesome. But his numbers since then have, have not been particularly great. They, they won those games in blowout fashion because it was Missouri and South Carolina. But I'm not sure the, the guy we saw against Alabama is the guy we should expect. It feels like that, that performance was the outlier. But I will say, when the, when the line is blocking well, they have such a diverse running game between what Isaiah Spiller can do and what Devon Chain can do. Or Devon Chain, sorry. I think that they can they, – they're not one-dimensional even if they are mostly just running the ball. And I think that's going to help them. And I also think that defense is, is, is pretty good. DeMarvin Leal is, is really tough to deal with up front. So I think I'm with you, Ari. I think I'm with Texas A&M on this one. I will say that I would be here for Auburn and, and Alabama game that is for the West. Well, you, you still could, or it could be an Auburn out. Let's say if A&M wins this game and wins out, the Iron Bowl could be to decide. Well, no, I'm sorry. Alabama would have to lose one more in that, in, in that scenario. So that, that's not going to work. Uh, no, no, they wouldn't. At two losses in, in conference for Alabama yeah. would, would be enough. So, so, yeah, the Iron Bowl would decide whether Alabama or A&M went. And Alabama has lost its two last trips to Jordan-Hare. And Jordan-Hare, when everybody's pumped up and, and it's a big game, is a really tough place to play. So I, I'm not discounting the Iron Bowl being for the West, regardless of the, of the result of this game. Do you know what I was just thinking about while you were talking about how Alabama's 0-2 with their last two trips to Jordan-Hare? How you'd like a nap because you were yawning? Well, I was up all night with a baby crying. I actually didn't yeah. sleep last night. Um, and I <laughs> that's the hard that's been the hardest thing about parenthood so far, Andy, is when the baby is crying and you can't figure out why. That's exactly right. That's My that's been the hardest part. About six months to figure it out. That and, and eventually we found out she was allergic to milk. And once yeah. we once we got that straight, everything was better. Yeah, yeah. So like we check the diaper, you you swaddle, you feed, you do all the stuff, and then they're still crying. And luckily, that hasn't been the case uh, so far in my experience. But last night was a rough night. But you know what I was thinking of? What's that? When you said that um, Alabama is 0-2 in their last two trips to Jordan-Hare, it's just like, does Michigan want to hire Gus Malzahn? Not as the coach, but maybe just as like a private speaker on like how to inexplicably, <laughs> like inexplicably beat a juggernaut that also happens to be your rival like once in a while. Because, like, honestly, I know that he's not there anymore. And he did, he did beat him up. three times. I mean, that you're is, right. That is, like, really good. Co- Am I crazy? That is insanely good <laughs> coaching. <laughs> it's it's that. I mean, it's atmosphere. They also It's also good recruiting. They Auburn yeah. has really good players and, and had really good I know, players. But I think Auburn and, Auburn and Michigan probably recruit similarly. Maybe they developed them. So. They, yeah, they Right, they 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 both have like both of them have some top end players, and like we're talking about right now in on the podcast, we are talking about the potential for Auburn to win out the rest of their games and go into the Iron Bowl with the big or the SEC West on the line. Right, we're having that discussion. Mm-hmm. We're not laughing. Yep. Guess what discussion we're, we're never going to have? The same uh, exact thing yeah, in the Big could, Ten East. Why? 
Good. And like, right. that's exactly what the rivalry Ohio State should... lose in Michigan Stadium. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're yeah. right. Like, it's like one thing doesn't connect with the other. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, what did Gus Malzahn do? Because he had no business beating Alabama three times. Okay. I could see maybe once, maybe lightning strikes twice, but three times. Is but you really had, one of those was the kick six. One yeah. of those was that's lightning. That was the lightning pick, striking. One of those was two pick sixes, including a hundred yard pick six. And Mac Jones's, yeah, it was Mac Jones's second start because I think they had a game in between Mississippi State when Tua hurt his hip and and Auburn. But and and then Mac Jones was was lights out after that. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think maybe maybe just hire him as a consultant to come up. Yeah, hire Gus, him as a search. Gus, I realize I realize <laughs> y'all have Tulsa that week, but can you? Just, we'll fly you up. We'll fly you right back. But I wonder if there is like a certain, a certain thing that he could lend. I'm sure there. He approached it in a way that I'm sure Jim Harbaugh could learn from, because that's all the Michigan and Ohio State rivalry should be. What Auburn has done to Bama, and I'm not even saying maybe if they only did it once or twice every five six years, but you know that it should be a game that we're discussing. And it's we're in November in that game, and Ohio State is a one loss team, and Michigan's a one loss team, and it's not even on our reservation, or it's not even on our on our thought process right now. And we're yeah. talking about Auburn and, and Alabama. And it's just like, that's what's wrong with Michigan, in my opinion. Yeah. Are you just trying to make the Michigan people mad? No, I just, I want, I like, what if they hired Gus Malzahn? I w- I'd be here for it. Bullet, <laughs> bullet, bullet point on resume. Uh, competitive with rival that should otherwise overmatch your team every year. Uh, I mean, you, you said there are other candidates out there. Maybe, maybe you've just unearthed one. All right, we, we, we've, got to get through, we've got a we've got a, a fascinating slate in the SEC that we need to get through okay. here. Uh, Mississippi State five and a half point underdog at Arkansas. Uh, this was one where uh, you looked at the the schedule for Mississippi State beginning of the season. You said, okay, even if they're better, they're still going to have to fight to get bowl eligible. If they win this game, they are bowl eligible. That that win against Kentucky was not not expected. They got it. They, they're now number 17 in the CFP rankings because uh, they've beaten NC State, they've beaten Texas A&M, and they've beaten Kentucky. But Arkansas also seems to have the defense that is designed to stop the air raid. They like to drop eight. Uh, even when they drop eight, their linebackers are very smart and very quick, and they seem to be able to diagnose. And so on the rare occasions that Mississippi State does run, they can probably get back there pretty quick and make a stop. So – I think Arkansas wins this one, which I believe Arkansas is bowl eligible if they win this one, which two years ago, if I'd have told you that, you'd have said I was crazy. So uh, who you got in this one, Art? I, I got, I'm looking at two teams right now that I've got a lot of respect for, their coaches, and, and the job that they've done this year. Um, I My gut feeling was Arkansas when I saw it, but then you go back and you look at Mississippi State and what they've done. You know, Outside of getting blown out by Alabama, which is a forgivable thing, you know, a 14-point win over Kentucky, I think, is a very respectable win. Yeah. And they, and they also they lost beat Texas Memphis A&M. on a bad call. Yeah. yeah. They lost to Memphis on a bad call. Mm. LSU beat them. LSU straight up beat them. But they've not had a bad season. That defense is very good. They've got two NFL corners. Uh, defensive line is good. Zach Garnett's scheme is is tough to deal with. It's it's a, the 3-5-5 stack and – not three five five. Again, we're doing math poorly. Three three five. Three five. So Derek Dooley. Derek Dooley tried the three five five. Derek Dooley <laughs> tried the three five five against LSU one year. It didn't work. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, I think I like. Um, I don't know. I I've just had a a little bit of a, a spot in my heart for Arkansas this year, and you know we talked about going into the A and M game uh, that if they won two out of the four against uh, A&M, Georgia, Mississippi, and Auburn, that, that you'd be uh, successful. They went one and four, um, but they lost three in a row in the middle there, and it just kind of like took the air out a little bit. But I still think they're a little bit better than the record indicates. And, you know, I mean, this is a hard game because Mississippi State, I think, had a very impressive season. I, I don't know that I would I, like this one. I think they're both very good teams that happen to be in the SEC West, which is the most rugged division in college football. And somebody has to lose these games. But I, I think both these teams should be very pleased with where they're at right now. And, and whoever wins this one, getting bowl eligible in that division is not easy. It's not. It, especially given where they've come from, where, where Mississippi State was last year and where, where Arkansas was two years ago. So, I yeah, I, I also just think this is going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be close. I think we're going to see some scoring. So I, I, I'm I'm very excited about that one. Another one that I am ex- just absolutely fascinated about. Tennessee at Kentucky's a pick'em, Ari. If I'd have told you that a month ago, you'd have, you'd have thought I was nuts. Tennessee's got a pulse. Yes, they do. Tennessee's got a pulse. Um, who's our quarterback this week? Hendon Hooker. That's what I was expecting you would say. Because if it wasn't, it probably wouldn't be a pick'em. Um, the idea is. Uh, which team do you believe to be better? And I think that I would say Kentucky at home is a better football team, but the way that Tennessee has been playing, despite even in a world where they lost two in a row, like, yeah, I am kind of high on Tennessee's direction. The the only thing I, I don't think Kentucky is going to make the reason Kentucky lost to Mississippi state is they made a lot of mistakes. They, they gave, they gave the ball to Mississippi state in easy positions to score. I don't think they're going to make that many mistakes against Tennessee, though we've seen this. We've seen it a couple of times. Kentucky did the same thing with South Carolina, and South Carolina just didn't have the horses to, to win the game. But I think Kentucky got that out of their system and will probably play a cleaner game, which should allow them to win. They, they should be the better team here. But, man, if, if Hendon Hooker makes some more magic, how, how surprised are you at what Josh Heupel, Josh Heupel's been able to do with Tennessee so far. This Very week. surprised. You know, I thought that they were going to lay down. I mean, honestly, if you remember the, I think the, the first quarter of, or the first half of the first quarter of the Bowling Green game, I think it was like a seven nothing game, and it, they turned the ball over, or punted a few times. Like, oh my god, they're struggling with Bowling Green, and then they kind of got it together a little bit, and then they lost the pit, which I didn't know how to make of it because it was a pit was involved, and. <clears throat> And it, but if if Hooker's the quarterback in that game, then Tennessee probably if Hooker's the starting quarterback plays the whole game, that is probably a Tennessee win. This this to me with Tennessee is a, uh, a dare I say a Dan Mullen situation because like I feel like Josh Heupel has done a tremendous job with the current roster and how well they've played on the field this year, I don't know that I'm high on the direction of the program with the talent they're bringing in. Well, are, are you saying that they're having a hard time recruiting with uh, the, the NCAA sort of Damocles mm-hmm. hanging over them with the Jeremy Pruitt stuff? I'm not saying... I don't, I don't know I'm that I'd put saying, that on Josh Heupel. <laughs> no, no, I know, but I'm saying like, it's just... It, I'm not saying that Heupel's a bad recruiter or that Tennessee is doomed forever. I'm just saying like all the momentum that they seem to be building as a program right now 
on the field this year, it's hard to get too excited about the program in general until they get past whatever is holding them back from, from getting good players. And I think that we know what's holding them back. Uh, there's going to be a certain ceiling at Tennessee uh, for the next few years until they get past this. And I think we're looking at that ceiling right now. Well, if they can beat Kentucky, it's going to make this the best season of Tennessee football in, in quite some time. And I, I realize in 2016, they beat Florida and Georgia, but that ended so poorly. It's more about how this one's ending from a trajectory standpoint than, you know, if, if you put the wins at the front and the losses at the back, maybe you feel differently, but they're going to, they're going to finish on an upswing and that would be huge. Meanwhile, for Kentucky, you win this game, you should go 10 and two this season, which I mean, you take that at the beginning of the year. If I tell you, you're going to go 10 and two at Kentucky, you take that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, well, that's the statue record, isn't it? It's, it is, it is a statue record and uh, never leave Mark Stoops. That's, that's what we keep telling you. Don't leave this. The, there, there are places where 10 and two doesn't make them happy. Like, you know, Dan, Dan Mullins had some 10 win seasons at Florida and they're not happy with him right now. Like they should be 10 and two. That's Kentucky the expectation should. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like looking at their schedule and looking at what they have left. They're one win away on Saturday from being 10 and two, I think. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, <clears> we'll see what happens, but I'm excited about that game just because again, Kentucky tends to draw you into exciting games, whether they want to or not. So I think that's probably what, what what's going to happen here. And then we go to the game that would have been the first game we talked about. We would have talked about it for about 45 minutes Basically, every year from what, 2009 to, to 2019, LSU at Alabama. Alabama is a 28 and a half point favorite at home. <laughs> I wouldn't touch this line with a 10 foot pole, Ari, because LSU still has good players. I don't think LSU is going to win this game, but 28 and a half is a lot of points. Yeah, it wasn't spread something like this last year. And I thought to myself, it was, well, and I believe Alabama well, LSU has good players. And then I bet LSU, I think, and I think the score was like 65 to nothing or some crazy thing like that. Was it at halftime? No, LSU, LSU scored in, that, in the second half. But yes, it was a huge halftime disadvantage for LSU. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a complete blowout and the idea of talent still being around, you know, but, you know, every year is different. And maybe the team is going th- to coach. Uh, it was 55 17 last year. Uh, We'll put Coach O on their back and, and play another good game. I think 28 points is where I would lean. I just would not be comfortable taking it right now. So this is kind of a stay away from me. Yeah. And and here's the other thing. Remember, who's the best interim coach in the history of interim coaches? Coach O. That's right. And what is a what is Coach O if not an interim coach right now? He's an interim coach. Hey, if if let's just <laughs> hey. say something. If LSU in Banana Land won this game. Could, no, could could LSU be like, no, we made a major mistake. Like, can they reverse it? <laughs> like, no. What, what would you do if LSU won the game, though, and you were an LSU? If you're Scott Woodward, you hold a press conference on Sunday when they get back to Baton Rouge, and you're like, guys, I'm not changing my mind, but what do I tell you? This is the best interim coach in the universe. Yeah, I I think that it's funny because and I don't know if it's just me, but I find Coach O to be a very per- easy person to root for. Like, I just personally like him. I don't know why. Uh, I I think 
it would be great if LSU played a game that was like in question in the fourth quarter against Alabama while their coach is dead man walking. Well, I mean, if it would I'm be hilarious to run, I just go out there and just let the the freak flag fly. Like you, yeah. Who cares? You're already fired. Do whatever you got to do. Don't punt. Oh well, our friend Kevin Kelly, the uh, the the former high school coach, now college coach, who doesn't punt, his his scores have not been great once he got into conference play. So I don't know that don't punt is the is the way, but every don't punt play against you the, have don't punt run against it. the team that can get uh, forty yards in two plays in in thirty seconds anyway. That's my this favorite thing: true. punting Yard, from the fifty, and then cheap. the ball going into the end zone, and then the other team being back at the fifty to play that play later. Yeah, that's Yards something that we see every week. Points. Yes, yes, yes. So, but run every trick play you have, like whatever you've got, whatever you've stored up over the years, just empty the bag. Everything, Jake Peets. I don't know what you've been. You know, if you guys made up some in in Carolina last year with Joe Brady, whatever you got, just throw it all out there because. What do you have to lose? Everybody thinks you're going to lose by four touchdowns anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Let it fly. The freak flag flying is funny. Yes. And yes. if anybody has All a, right. if anybody has a freak flag, it's Ed Orgeron. So let's we, we've seen, yeah. we've seen the pictures. So, all right. Well, that's, that's a good setup for a, a what should be a phenomenal Saturday. Now, Ari, uh, we'll let folks know you and I will be on the podcast right after the game's end, but also, right around 10:30 eastern time. So probably with about an hour left to go in those late the the primetime east coast games. Ari and I are going to hop on the Athletic app. We've got a new uh, feature on the Athletic app where basically we go to, we get an audio room. We we get a room. We should just call this segment get a room. But we'll be the hosts and you guys can come chat with us now if if you want to talk and you want to ask questions you've got to be an athletic subscriber if you're not an athletic subscriber you can listen but hey for the for the price of one and a half lattes a month you get to ask ari wasserman a question come on you also get to read all that really good stuff about every sport so it's a really good deal but we're going to talk we're going to do that we're going to chat for about 45 minutes as the games are ending and uh hopefully We'll, we'll have a good game going on among those night games that, that gives us something to talk about. But I know we're going to have a lot to talk about with, with what happened during the day, how that affects the college football playoff rankings, how that affects different conference races. We will have a ton. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Matt Fortuna and I did it the other night right after the CFP rankings release. And I tell you what, our subscribers at The Athletic asked the best questions. They're so cool. And it, it's, it was great to, to really get a chance to talk to them. And so we're going to do that again on Saturday. So if you are in a place where you can listen on at about 1030 on Saturday night, uh, 1030 Eastern time, hop on board. I'll send out a link. And, and if you're an athletic subscriber, you'll get a push notice on your phone and we're going to we'll chat. And then Sunday, you can listen to the podcast. Ari and I will be breaking everything down. Monday, the athletic football show with Robert Mays and, and Nate Tice doing exactly the same stuff Ari and I do, except for the NFL. Uh, you can hear Nate get really, really excited about quarters coverage. Uh, it, it, it just, he gets pumped up about it. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and then we'll be ready for another great week on the Andy Staples Show and Friends. But uh, this is going to be 
a fun weekend, Ari. Like you said, it's a sexy slate. It doesn't look sexy from the outside, but when you when you really drill down, there's a lot of intrigue here. Yeah, no, I'm very excited, and I'm super excited to kind of break down uh, where things go and how they impact the recruiting <laughs> the recruiting rankings. So that's my quarters coverage. You can't give it up. Stars matter, baby. Uh, playoff rankings, and you know, I think that we might be in. Li- I have this weird feeling that we're going to be in line for some fireworks this weekend. Watch that Purdue game. Watch it. I'm just telling you. Watch it. Yeah, heard it here first. Ari Wasserman predicting big, big things in West Lafayette. Big drum, big things. We'll talk to you on Saturday.